0: We're so glad that you're here. Hey, one thing I forgot to uh, mention, and uh, this is kind of the way God takes care of us, because I know that uh, the last couple of months have been kind of just crazy, and summer's kind of crazy already, and we're kind of launching into that, Uh, but uh, I believe God was in this. Now, Brother Martin, you correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, we're still going to do teen camp, uh, because uh, by the goodness of God, uh, Brother Martin uh, likes to do camp later, closer to the beginning of school, rather than early. So that kind of saved us because I know a few camps that were in June and July had to get canceled. Uh, but because of uh, the wisdom of God upon Brother Martin there, uh, our kids are still going to get to go to camp. And uh, what is the dates, Brother? July 20th through the 24th. July through the 24th. All right, very good. So. Uh, so if you got kids, teenagers, what are the ages, uh, brother? Uh, seventh, grade grade. seventh grade through twelfth grade. So please see brother Martin. If you're interested in that, I think we have a limited number of spots, uh, 25, 25, 25 spots. So uh, first come, first serve. So uh, be sure and uh, get with brother Martin, and uh, uh, he will set you up on that. Well, uh, I wanted to kind of... Talk to you today, and I thought about uh, uh, to just kind of start a new series. And I usually try to kind of key on what's uh, what's kind of going on for the month, whatever the major uh, event is. And uh, next Sunday, I'm giving all the moms fair warning, and all the families fair warning, and my family fair warning. Faith, next Sunday is Father's Day. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm looking at mine. You look at yours. All right. Remind them. All right. Next Sunday. Is Father's Day, so uh, that's kind of the major uh, kind of holiday for June, and so I thought, well, I'm going to talk on the family, and uh, just more so than just the family, uh, I'm going to talk about our homes, and uh, you know, the most important church that you're a part of uh, is not this one. This one's a close second, uh, and you need to be a part of this church. You need to be a part of the family of God, but do you know what the most important church is? The most important church is that church that takes place inside of your home. The Bible literally says that we are the priests of our home, men, that's our job. God has uh, appointed us as the spiritual leaders uh, to be the priests of our home. And so really, at the end of the day, that is the, the most important place is your home. Uh, You can come here, you can bring your kids here, you can bring your spouse here, and we will do everything in our power to strengthen your marriage, strengthen your family, try to help you in raising your kids, but guess what, at the end of the day, I can't raise your kids. I raised three of my own, and that was a job, amen, amen, and uh, Faith turned out really good. I'm glad that's uh, all thanks to her mama, probably, amen. Uh, The two boys, uh, they turned out pretty good, no, that all of my kids Great, but I'm here to tell you, it was work, amen? And at the end of the day, uh, they had some great youth ministers and uh, grew up in great youth groups. But at the end of the day, it was not the youth pastor's job to raise my kids. It was my job to raise my... It was not my youth pastor's job to be the spiritual leader in my kids' lives. It was my job and my responsibility. So before they ever went to church, before they ever went to youth group, before they ever got taught by the youth pastor or any of those things... Uh, It was really my responsibility as their father to set the tone in the home. Amen. Brother Martin does a great job, but, you know, Brother Martin's got maybe at best, you know, three or four hours a week, uh, if they come every week, uh, to have some kind of influence in their life. They're living in your house, and so that's definitely where the biggest influence comes from. And so I always told kids there's two main things that are going to have to do with the way your life turns out uh really meant three main things and those things are uh, what kind of home you're raised in that's probably the most important uh are your parents raising you in a christian home are they being spiritual leaders uh number two is uh you know are you involved actively involved in church i think that comes right behind that Uh, and then we talked about this before who do you hang around uh, you're going to become like whoever you hang around. So, uh, but you'll notice number one on that list is the home. That's where they're going to spend the most time. That's where they're going to get the most influence. And so, how do we how do we have godly homes? Now, you may think, well, I'm not married, or I don't, I'm not a husband or a wife, I'm not a father or a mother. Guess what? This is for everybody. Uh, and I'm here to tell you, even young, even the young people, this is stuff you will need. You need to decide now what kind of a husband you're going to be and what kind of a wife you're going to be and you need to decide what is my home going to be like is it going to be a Christian home Uh, you need to decide right now am I going to be a uh, the godly mother that I need to be am I going to be the godly father that I need to be Uh, make that decision right now so everything I'm covering take notes because you're going to need it amen and it's good it's better to learn those things now than learn them late unfortunately a lot of people learn them too late in life so uh, so the uh, title of this today is God bless our home and The main thing we're going to talk about today is hunger and thirst for righteousness. So all of these are going to come from the Beatitudes, which was a sermon that Jesus preached. uh, And it is in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there with me. And uh, so let me ask you this question. How many of you would like for your home and your family to be blessed? Now, if you don't have your hand up, I'm guessing you want it to be cursed. Amen? No. So how do we get God to bless our... And let me say this. Uh, everything I'm talking about today, not only has to do with um, with just um, a home where it's mom and dad, but also this is going to apply to if it's a single parent home. So I want to be an encourager to you, single parents, because uh, I know your job is twice as hard because again you've got to play both roles. All right. So um, in Matthew chapter five, uh, there is a sermon by Jesus it's, uh, called the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, there are eight characteristics of those who are blessed. So let's start with Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And this is our key verse for the day. And it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. All right. Um, what is our role? Our role as the leader of the home, uh, mom and dad, is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then what is the promise after that. Most of us want to see the promises, but we don't want to see the the requirements before the promise. If you'll look at God's promises, they always come with a prerequisite. And we're very good at seeing the blessings. We all want the blessings, but we're not so good at seeing the prerequisite that comes. Oh, by the way, if you want your home to be blessed, here's what you need to do. Uh, We just want the blessings. We don't want to have to do all the the stuff that we got to do. But look at that. Read this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, For they shall be filled. So the blessing of it is that you shall be filled with the power of God, with the Spirit of God. That your home will be filled with the power and the Spirit of God. Amen. But what do you have to do? You have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. All right. Um, what, What would it be like? Imagine a family that was filled with the power of God, filled with the Spirit of God. And filled with the fruits of the spirit, can you imagine what a home like that would be? And if you have a home like that, man, you need to count your blessings. That is awesome. And let's face it, there are there's no such thing as a perfect family. Now, many people want to think well, the preachers' home is a perfect family. It is not. Miss B.J., can I get an amen? Uh, the the preachers' family is not perfect. Far from it. Uh, we may just be better at hiding it from you, amen. But there's no such thing as a perfect family, all right? Uh, my wife, she messes up a lot, amen, and she she does the wrong thing and, uh, you know, makes the wrong decision. My kids, yeah, they did some dumb things. Now, you know, me, uh, I, I didn't do anything. No, that's of course, you, you know that's a lie. You know it's a lie. So there's no such thing as a perfect family. Understand that from the very beginning here. But uh, what if predominantly in our homes it was the spirit of god and it was the fruits of the spirit love joy peace Uh, man wouldn't that be awesome all right and so that's what we should be striving for that's what we should be shooting for all right um so here's the question next slide uh is in your home what do you hunger for in your home what do you hunger for Now, I'm going to give you a little personal story because my life's the only one I've lived, so it's the only one I know. That's why you get my stories, okay? Um, When I was going to college, Jill and I had not got married yet, but we were getting ready to get married, and uh, I had a a guy that I went to church with, and he owned, if you remember uh, where Happy's Fish House is now, used to be a pizza place called Mr. Gaddy's. Anybody remember Mr. Gaddy's? Really good pizza, really good pasta. So... You see all this right here? I worked at Mr. Gaddy's, uh through college on and off for four years. Amen. And right here, this is the foundation of this was built at Mr. Gaddy's. Amen. So what you hunger and you thirst for is what's going to fill you, and it's what's going to, you're going to see the results of that. This is the results of hungering and thirsting for pizza and pasta. Amen. And getting to eat it free, you know, at least... You know, three, four days a week, and so that's what began this this great foundation right here. So after I, after Jill and I got married, and after I was able to quit working at uh, at Mr. Gaddy's, I decided, oh man, I've done put on some weight, and I got to stop eating so much pasta and pizza. Amen. So uh, after I stopped working there, it was easier to lay off of it, and so I decided I'm going to try to lose some weight. And so I decided I'm going to try to eat better food, and I'm, I'm going to lay off uh, the pizza, the pasta, and the fried foods especially. So you know what happens? Anybody ever done this before? You decide, all right, I'm going to eat healthier. And you, so you lay off the fried and the greasy food, and you lay off of it for maybe two, three, four months. And then three or four months down the road, you decide, oh, man, I am really craving something deep fried right now. Or maybe the fair shows up, you know, with all the deep fried Twinkies and Oreos. So you decide, all right, just this once, I'm going to eat some fried food, or I'm going to eat a big greasy hamburger. What happens? You get sick as a dog, amen? Now, obviously, that did not stop me from eating the fried food. I didn't completely stop. But what it did was it completely showed up and completely kind of made me sick. So in other words, once my body had gotten used to not having that fried food, my body adjusted, all right? So your body will adjust. Your home will adjust. What do you hunger and thirst for? Do we hunger and thirst for the junk food of the world? Do we hunger and thirst for the things of the world that don't really matter? Do we hunger and thirst for the the stuff that's really not good for us? Or do we hunger and thirst for the goodness of God, for the good things of God? Amen? And so it's very important. What do you hunger for? All right? What do I spend my time and my energy on? Now I'm going to hear. I'm going to ask you something because most of us would say, "Oh, it's it's all good stuff, brother Mark." But if I really want to know, if I want to know what your house is like, I don't go and ask you what your house is like. You know who I would go and ask? I'd go and ask the kids, or I'd go and ask your spouse. Amen. If I really want to know how you're doing. If I really want to know how I'm doing, this is why I don't ask it very often, I ask my wife how I'm doing. Amen? I don't ask that very often, all right? But if I really want an honest answer of how I'm doing, then I go and I ask my wife, all right? Uh, If I were to ask your kids, what would they say? You know, if I were to ask, what's the spiritual environment like in your home? Well, you'd probably give me a Sunday school answer. You'd probably give me an answer that I want to hear. But if I really wanted to know what the spiritual atmosphere in your house is like, I would go ask your kids and the people that live there, all right? And so it's very important. What would your kids say? Am I, what is the God in your home? What are you hungering for? Now, many people today in their homes, they're hungering for comfort. I just want to be comfortable. I want to have a nice house. I want to drive nice cars out in the par- out in the driveway. I want to have enough money to pay my bills and go shopping. I want to be comfortable. And, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that, but many times that wanting to be comfortable becomes our God. All right, and we uh, and listen, it's wonderful. God loves you. You're His child. He loves blessing you. But I'm here to tell you, I believe this, and I've said this before. I don't think God is near as concerned with our comfort level as we are. All right, uh, I think we sometimes we're consumed that we say, well, God wants me to be comfortable. No, I don't read that in Scripture anywhere. God wants His Son and His name to receive glory. There's nothing in there about you being comfortable. In fact, I would say if you look at Jesus' followers in his day, they were anything but comfortable. They were very uncomfortable, all right? So many people, they're hungry and thirsting for comfort. Many people are hungry and thirsting for fun. There was an old rock song, I'm dating myself here, uh, back from the 70s and 80s. Everybody's working for the weekend. Anybody else remember that song? Amen never mind uh come on yeah rock it up baby um so everybody's worried what was that song about it's you know what i got a job i gotta pay the bills but i'm just working i'm just living for the weekend because on the weekend we can cut loose we can go do whatever we want to do and i'm free for at least two days all right so that some people that's what they're living for their whole life is to put up with monday through friday so they can have Saturday and Sunday and they're working for the weekend, all right? And they're just working for the fun. What kind of fun can I you know why God gets pushed back on a lot of people's agenda? Because God wants His time on the weekend. And I'm sorry, God, but we're living for the weekend. We, we're too busy having fun. God, I'd love to go to church, but it's summertime. And bless God, there's a lake out there with my name on it. and there's a boat, there's Tubing. Uh, Man, there's the swimming pool. Maybe you got a swimming pool in your backyard. There's just too much fun to be had. And I'm sorry, God, but you kind of get pushed back, all right, because we got to have fun, all right? So many people are living for fun. Many people are living for image. Anybody here live in the day of social media? You're in the middle of it, whether you know it or not. And guess what? What has social media done? It's made it a lot about image. I got to get my Instagram pictures right. I got all my selfies got to look right. I got to, you know, I got to make sure that I'm looking good at all my pictures. And it's all about the image. You know, everything looks good. And we've had to be careful to tell people, don't you get sucked in. Because if you get sucked in and start looking at everybody's Instagram and Facebook page, you're seeing their highlight reel. And you're, because it'll get depressing. You'll start looking at people's uh, pages and going, man, their life looks a lot better than mine. I mean, they're just, they're always having fun. They're always doing good stuff. Why isn't my life that exciting? It can really get you in a depression, all right? But you got to understand, that's not reality. People's uh, Instagram, Facebook page, that's their highlight reel. And once you understand that, guess what? Yours is no different. You just don't pay as much attention to it. Yours is your highlight reel. It's all the good stuff in your life, all right? It's all the exciting stuff in your life. So don't be sucked in by image. Popularity, um, maybe it's... Uh, we got to win. Somebody told me today, I won't tell you who, uh, but somebody told me today, Brother Mark, sorry, won't be there. Grandson plays uh, select ball. Select ball has started back now. So I'd love to be there, but guess what? We're on the road every weekend, every weekend. So what is that telling me? That's telling me, all right, so the goal in that house and what they're hungering for in that house is to be really good at sports. And, you know, that sounds real good, uh, but here's the thing. Do you know what the percentages are of that kid actually being good enough to actually get a college scholarship or or go on to the pros? It is minuscule. It's You'd have a better chance almost of winning the lottery. But many people pour their lives into, and then those kids get, the, get up to 18, 19, 20, and they have no interest in God. And the parents want to wonder, well, why doesn't my kid want to go to church now that they're 18? Because... You didn't set the tone. You were y'all. You never went to church. You were always out of town. You were always playing select ball. So they are hungering and thirsting for sports and to be the best and to win, the. you know, for my kid to be the best baseball player, the best volleyball player. And listen, nothing wrong with sports, but when it gets to where it, it's higher, higher up on the platform than God, that's where the problem is, all right? So we hunger and thirst for those things. So I'm going to give you two versions, all right? I'm going to give you first, uh, take notes if you would, because this is good stuff. I'm going to give you first what doesn't work, and then I'm going to end with what does work, okay? So let's look first at what doesn't work, all right? What doesn't work? Two things. Number one, legalistic Christianity. In other words, if you just think, well, I'm going to take my kids, and I'm just going to tell them all the rules, and I'm going to give them all the do's and don'ts. You know why a lot of people get turned off by Christianity? Because of this right here. Not just kids, but anybody. A lot of people are like, I can't go to church and I can't live for God because y'all got way too many rules. It's, I can't do this, you can't do this. You know, the old saying, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. Uh, you know, but here's what I've understood. My kids, I wanted them to uh, obey the, the Lord and I wanted them to do the right thing. But I also wanted to... let let them understand that it is about a relationship with the Lord. The Lord loves you. The Lord is not just about the do's and don'ts. The Lord loves you, and the Lord wants to have a relationship with you. All right? Look at this statement. Write this statement down. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. You know I have seen that happen a lot in my life. Brother Martin, you've probably seen this happen. Uh, When you work in youth ministry, you see parents that are very strict on their kids but they don't, they don't have that relationship with their kids. And I'm here to tell you, when you don't develop a good relationship with your kids, all those rules are just going to lead to rebellion. Now, if my kids, if I say, here's kind of what we do in the house, here's the rules in the house, and it's because I love you, it's for your best, and here's why we have these rules, and I do it out of a loving heart, and I do it out of a loving relationship, then my kids will respond to that, all right? And I hope that's what I did with my kids. I hope that's why they responded to it. But it has nothing to do with just following the rules, all right? Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Number two, lukewarm Christianity, saying, I believe in God, but then living like he doesn't exist. How many of you know people like this? I know a lot of people that claim to be Christians. I know a lot of people who say, I believe in God. But if you look at their life, there's no fruit, is there? There's nothing that has any indication that they believe in God, all right? So guess what? You know what, kids? Here's what I find about kids. Kids are smarter than you think they are. Even little bitty kids from a very early age begin to understand that, you know, if your walk doesn't match your talk, then you're a hypocrite. And I hear, I hear you, but I don't see you, all right? And many kids, they learn very early on, you know, my parents say one thing, but then when I look at their life, they do a totally other thing. So guess what? I know that's all bull. That's all bull. That's all bull coming straight out of my parents' mouth. And you know what they'll do? As soon as they get into their own life, they'll go do their own thing, you know? Listen, uh, you can tell your kids all day, don't smoke. That stuff will kill you. Kids, don't, don't, you, don't start smoking. I, I know. I know, I'm, I know I'm smoking. But do as I say. Don't do as I do. How far does that go? Not very far. Do you know what the chances are if you're doing this in your house, what your kids are going to do? There's a real, real good chance they're just going to pick it up right there. No matter what you say, they're going to see what you do, and they're going to say, Boy, Daddy would suck the bottoms out of those things, wouldn't he? My, I had a daddy that did that, and my daddy smoked them things, and he'd smoke them all. <laughs> I mean, he'd make that stuff look like he was eating cotton candy. He'd just... <laughs> Smoke the bottom out of that thing. Well, what does that make me think as a kid? I'm looking at that going, Whoo, man, that looks good. Uh, Daddy's making that look good. And as soon as I get old enough, I hear what he says, but as soon as I get old enough, I'm going to try me some of that. Amen. Don't you kids drink now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, stumbling around, having a good time. And guess what? It don't matter what you say, what you do. What you do. All right. So, what you do. Is going to set the tone in your home way more than what you say. All right? So uh, that's for that's for free. All right? So uh, Jesus said it this way He said, I'd, I would rather you be hot or cold. You remember what Jesus said? I'd rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, what am I going to do? <laughs> Sorry. Don't nobody use this microphone. It's not a sanitized. Um, But, you know, I will spew you out of my mouth. Literally, the terminology, the Greek word that he used was, I would, you make me sick to my stomach. I will throw up, all right? So, uh, lukewarm Christianity does not work, all right? So, let's look uh, real quickly at what does work, all right? What does work? Let's go to the next slide there. Number one, change the attitude in your home. We're not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home, all right? It's not enough to just call yourself a Christian, is it? Anybody know this? It's not enough to call yourself a Christian. Anybody can call themselves a Christian. If we go out here and we start knocking doors in all the Chapel Hill community, I guarantee you, and all we say is, are you a Christian? I guarantee you 99.9%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a Christian. Is there any fruit in a lot of those people's lives? Have they done anything with God or had anything to do with God in a lot of those people? No. Not at all. You couldn't find one piece of fruit. You couldn't find one piece of evidence that would say that they are a Christian. It's easy to say, I'm a Christian and have nothing in your life that even looks like it. All right? So we need to change the attitude. It's not enough to call yourself a Christian. It's easy to call yourself a Christian, and you live in the Bible Belt, so it's real easy here to just kind of go along with the status quo and say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, because that's the thing we are in East Texas. But guess what? You can call yourself a Christian all day, but I I need to look at your life, and I need to see it, all right? And so change the attitude from being a Christian family to we are a Christ-centered home. What does that mean, that we are a Christ-centered home? I'm going to cover that in just a second, all right? Uh, Look at the uh, scripture on this, Psalm 63.1. Oh, sorry, yeah. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The Lord says you need to thirst for me and hunger for me as if you were in the desert. You ever, you ever go outside and work in the summertime heat and you come back in and you have sweat all of your fluids out and it's like your body is just thirsting for water. Normally, I don't really crave water, but you go out in this heat and you work in it and you start sweating. It's like your body is craving that water. That's literally what this verse says. You need to thirst for God Just like that, when you go out and you work out in the sun, as if you were in a desert, you need to thirst for God in that same way you'd thirst for water right there, okay? Um, So let's see, number two, it says help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved in your life, all right? Help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved in your life. Now, how do you do that? I'm going to give you some pointers here that I learned uh, growing up. I didn't, I'm not telling you I always did this or did the right thing, but I'm telling you here's what I discovered really works. Make prayer and godly conversations a daily occurrence in your house. If you want your kids to grow up having an easy time with God on their lips, then you need to make God, a conversation with God a natural thing in their life. So with my kids, when they were going to school, one of the things we did was I'd gather them up before we all went to school and i just say a quick prayer over them. I tried to make it a natural, I tried to make it a daily thing that every day I was praying that God would protect them and bless them while they were in school. Didn't take very long, less than five minutes, and I would just pray over my kids as we sent them out. Then make God a, God, a part of the conversation. Make, uh, you know, well, you know, hey, listen, guys, uh, you know, Miss Susie over here from church, she's She's sick. We really need to pray for her. Let's just pray for her that God would, would touch her body and heal her. Just having those natural conversations in the car, all right? Uh, when you see God doing something in your life, it's just, instead of just saying, aren't we lucky? Use that as a teaching opportunity. Say, look how God has blessed us. Do you know what, uh, how huge a difference it is just between the two statements of, man, we're lucky. Look how lucky we are. And then saying, look how blessed we are. Look what God has done in our lives. Look how God has blessed us. Just that little difference in that statement is huge and the impact it can have on a kid. That makes that kid instantly recognize we're not lucky, we're blessed. All right. Can I tell you this in this room? None of you are lucky. None of you are lucky. There's no such thing as luck. You are blessed. Amen. And God has everything to do with your blessing. How do you know that, Brother Mark? Every good and perfect gift comes from the father above amen you are blessed all right so three ways to create a hunger for god in your home and then we'll end with this all right number one i just talked about it involve god in your daily conversations look how god has blessed us number two we've talked about this before make church non-negotiable get your kids to where they don't want to miss children's church and you're like well brother mark we ain't having children's church it's coming amen but uh i want to tell you uh this is why children's church is so important Uh, I've seen uh, when you know God is really working is when the kids make mama and daddy get up out of the bed to go to church because they say, man, children's church is fun. It's exciting. I don't want to miss children's church. All right. And so that's the way it should be. Kids should want to come. And we have uh, Miss Cindy does a great job. And all of our workers that work with the kids, they do a great job. And that's make your kids want to come to church. It should be fun, all right? And uh so number 3, show how seeking and serving God is fun. You don't have to tell them to be good when they're pursuing the one who is good, all right? So that's three ways uh to create hunger for God. And uh, the scripture on that uh that we're going to kind of end with uh actually got two more uh slides, but Joshua 24:15, go to that scripture. It says, "And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Everybody knows this verse. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I tell you, every mom and dad and future mom and dad in this room needs to make up your mind right now. Just like Joshua did, make up your mind. As for me and my house... We're going to serve the lord we're not just going to talk about it we're not just going to give it lip service we're actually going to do it and we will serve the lord all right that doesn't happen by accident again you have to decide and i tell you right now the time to decide is right now not in the heat of the moment you know uh if you're deciding whether you're going to sin or not and you wait till the heat of the moment when the temptation comes you're gonna fall every time you know how you uh, overcome the temptation, make up your mind way ahead of time. I'm, I'm not going to give in to that. It's same thing. Make up your mind right now. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. All right. And then uh, two things. We are made righteous by faith alone. Philippians 3 9 and 10. This is scripture for that. You got that one? There we go. All right. Uh, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. All right? And then see the last one is this, seek God daily as a family. Uh, Matthew 6.33 is the scripture for that one. And it says this, and we've heard this verse all of our lives But everybody in here, we really need to make this a life verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. All right? What does that verse say? That's a verse you've heard all your life, but I'm here to tell you that would solve so many of our problems, that one verse, if we'd actually live it. If I put God first and I seek him first over everything else, over my own comfort, over fun, over popularity, Over everything else, if I will seek him first and his righteousness, then everything else is going to go a lot smoother. Am I going to tell you your life's going to be perfect? No. Am I going to tell you that God is going to maneuver things and do things in ways that you never thought possible? Yes. If you'll put him first, you'll be surprised at how God will go before you and will pave your way. Amen. Let's bow our head and close our eyes if you would. And I want to give you an opportunity if you're here and you'd say, Mark, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure where I'd go right now if I were to die. Don't leave this building without knowing. And you can know for sure, not because of who you are, but because of Jesus and what he did on the cross for your sins. So if that's you today, and you're not sure, I want to lead you in this prayer. Just pray this prayer from your heart and in your mind and your spirit. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I admit that I'm a sinner and that I need you and right now Jesus the best way I know how I ask you to forgive me of my sins wash my sins in the blood of the lamb Jesus save me from myself in Jesus name